Hello, and welcome to another episode of Younger by the Minute. I am your host, Jamie Spicer, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Jennifer Spicer. And today we are going to be discussing who is failing who. And what Jamie means by that is we really want to help everyone understand what they may be doing and they may not know it or they purposefully may be doing it and really don't understand the impact that it has when it comes to what they're getting done in the medical spa or what nutrition and exercise plan they're doing or even when it comes to medicine. Correct. So you know, more times than not, you know, we'll do a consultation with someone with their nutrition and exercise program. They've been down the road of every nutritional program down there. They've done different cardio programs, exercise programs. And one thing that we tend to find out is like, they've never taken the time to figure out certain things to make sure they're on the right nutrition program. Things like, are they, did they take the time to find out if they're insulin sensitive or they insulin resistant, meaning can they handle carbs? Can they not handle carbs? Do they have something like the MTHFR gene, which prevents them from methylating and detoxing properly? Do they have endometriosis, PCOS, and autoimmune? Do they have low stomach acid? And that's why they have acid reflux, GERD-like symptoms, and SIBO. You know, well, or have they taken that time? Have they taken that time? Or even, you know, how many times do we often tell people, you know, if they have acid reflux and they're taking Prevacid or Prilosec and all that, and it's actually making it worse, but I'll let you dive into that. And to add on to that, you know, have they been exposed to mold or are they still dealing with COVID left over in the body or other viruses? Right. And with the people they've worked with in the past, including their own doctors, like, did they take the time to sit down and listen to their issues going on? And did they even bring any of this stuff up? And did they even test them for any of this stuff? Because I know we'll, t- we'll end up asking for blood work with certain people. And a lot of the stuff we'll pull for like looking for insulin or looking for ferritin levels or looking for reverse T3. Their doctors have never done this, nor has another nutrition coach or even sometimes dietitians even recommended them doing it. Right. And, you know, it's not that anybody's maliciously trying to not do the right job. It's just that sometimes healthcare providers are so overwhelmed with how many people they're seeing or, or they have limitations from if they're working with a big corporation, you know, like here we have Mercy, SSM, you know, BJC, you know, sometimes they just cannot pull those because that's the rule. So, you know, really working with a provider that also sees the benefit in what we're doing, what we're testing, you know, cause for PCOS and endometriosis, for example, if they have, you know, GI issues or constipation, that's going to create more circulating estrogen. Everything works together in harmony or disharmony. And a lot of times we get so segmented when we look at American medicine, we're treating a symptom versus the entire body. Correct. And then, you know, we've run into situations too, where, someone's been put on a medication, whether it's an SSRI, whether it's, um, you know, something just to treat, uh, I can't think here. Um, Are you thinking mental health? Mental health, you know, with the SSRIs, but also just thinking uh, just like if you have an infection. uh, Oh, antibiotics. Antibiotics, you know, did anybody describe to them the impact that it has on their gut health and talk to them about the importance of really cleaning up their dietary program while being on these medications? I know that they'll talk about, you know, don't be on alcohol, but do they actually go down the recommendations as far as not eating sugar or contributing to the problems that the medication is going to cause as far as water gain and stress on the body and also destroying gut health? 
Yeah. I mean, a lot of times, you know, a doctor won't even tell someone to take vitamin D with food and vitamin D is a fat soluble vitamin. So if you're not taking it in the presence of fat, it cannot be absorbed. So essentially you're wasting it or like with antibiotics, it's very good to take probiotics in addition to it. So it doesn't really disturb the gut microbiome, which then can lead to a whole slew of other things. You know, that's why I love Dr. Becky and for everyone that's listening, Dr. Becky, who is now our collaborative physician, she was our primary care physician first. And she writes messages. I get them through mercy. I don't know if you go into your portal, Jamie, but it's really cool because she'll talk about turmeric and other things that help everybody. It's just, it's just nice. It's, it's refreshing. Right. You know, you brought up probiotics, you know, some people are putting down pre and probiotics and if they have leaky gut, which is a terror within the lower stomach, the, the, they're just passing through and they're not even, they can't even do their job. So the first protocol would be to restore the, the inner stomach lining that way, mm -hmm. the probiotics and prebiotics can actually do their job. Now, another thing that I know that sometimes people are doing is they're just counting calories. Right. And, you know, Weight Watchers is big on that. Uh, counting points or calories is one way to look at it. But the fact is, is like I could tell someone to, you know, I could tell you, Jen, to, you know, eat um, 300 calories for your lunch meal. But if I don't give you specifics or you don't understand what foods work best with your body, you know, a lot of people would go eat a slice of pizza, 300 calories, or, you know, eat chicken, sweet potatoes, and asparagus. Well, what do you think people are going to end up choosing? They're going to end oh. up choosing the pizza, right? You know? Right. So are you saying that all calories are the same? They are not the same, not even remotely close, because it's not just about a calorie. The calories are made up of macros, which is protein, carbs, and fats. And depending upon your body type and other things like the medicines you're on, the, the MTHFR gene expressions, um, autoimmune, PCOS, you know, that also helps us guide you in the right direction as far as what does that macro prof look like? Meaning like, is it higher fat, lower carb, like a ketogenic diet, you know? Mm -hmm. So just counting calories, um, you could be way too high in carbs and not enough fat. You could be um, too high in fats and not enough carbs. It's just going to be dependent upon the person. So just counting calories is not going to get you towards your goal. Well, and since you brought it up, wouldn't that also mean, you know, for people, let's take it a step further, you know, the consumer thinks, okay, I'm, I'm going to get better than just counting calories. I'm now going to count macros, but they still like, does that, does that make it better? Does that really, does that help? Or if they don't have the guidance, is that also kind of shooting yourself in the foot? You know, counting macros is a really good place. It's actually a lot better place to be in than just counting caloric intake, counting calories. But just like with the clients we see, we were kind of that end all when people have tried everything and they have not been able to get the results they look for, you know, before you can count macros, um, you know, we teach people what foods work best with them best, you know, meaning maybe you digest rice better than you do potatoes. Um, maybe you digest sweet potatoes better than you do white potatoes. Um, maybe you do better with cream of rice than you do with oatmeal. So you got to go through that elimination phase and really figure out what foods work best with your body before you can start carb swapping. Now, if you come to find out that you can um, digest all protein sources, then you can mac macro swap 30 grams of protein of uh, ground turkey for chicken. You can do salmon for uh, red meat, you, you know, so you can go that way. You can do 30 grams of carbs and sweet potato for 30 grams of basmati rice. 
So once you've identified what foods work best with you, then you can go around and start doing some macro swapping, but you're not doing your due diligence at figuring out what foods work best with you because that's where people will tend, they do, they feel good for a couple of days and all of a sudden they'll put something different in their body. And next thing you know, they're like bloated, gassy and just and constipated for 48 hours. Well, right, because I was thinking about that when you were talking about the counting calories. If someone doesn't know which energy macro source is best for them, then they might be doing themselves a disservice as well. Like you can count your macros all day long, but if you you don't know whether you should be burning sugar or burning fat at that time, then you're not really doing your body justice. And it is kind of something that always made me laugh when going through, you know, my schooling and all of that and working in the hospital with carb counting and heart healthy. For those of you that don't know, just because it has a heart healthy symbol on it doesn't necessarily mean it's heart healthy. Um, and it, I don't even want to get into that, but there's a lot of information out there that people don't really know how to decipher and it's confusing. And so a lot of times they think they're doing the right thing and they're actually not. And it's kind of frustrating. You're absolutely right. And it's funny because, you know, um, my hair stylist came by today and he was cutting my hair and he got to talking about how much he's learning about intermittent fasting and, you know, intermittent fasting can be a great tool to use appropriately at the right time with the right client but you know he's talking about how they talk about you know starting your day off with carbs is going to make you crave more carbs and that you should eat more carbs at night than you should during the day which there's a times i do do that you know I, there's sometimes especially with some count clients where i do have them depleted down during the day that i will give them some carbs at night just to help them sleep better that's the only reason i give it to them um just a little bit of carbs um, kick up that serotonin level which help them sleep now then it goes back to what what if you're what if you work out first thing in the morning and you are um more hypo well, which means you can handle carbs then you would time your carbs more around your am workout and then bleed them off throughout as the day goes so again you got to kind of understand it's not just about a one size fits all that oh i'm going to do intermittent fasting oh i'm going to do my carbs at night. you also got to take a look at the big picture of what is your day structured like? Are you working out in the morning? Are you working out in the afternoon? Are you working out in the evening plays a big role too? Well, and I also feel like really when you, when you're going down this road, because it's a very mental journey, right? You know, we, a lot of times there's so much emotion around food. And a lot of times, you know, we might feel like it's going to, you know, we have paralysis of analysis. We feel like, okay, I've already, you know, gone backwards so many times and you don't know where to start. So what you have to do and where I'm trying to get at is you have to become very familiar with your body. It's really only up to the person themselves to, to determine whether whatever they just last ate gave them energy or made them feel like tired or made them feel have brain fog or whatever. So you have to, as the person that's doing the, the nutrition for themselves has to be their own self-advocate because otherwise you kind of just don't really know. So for example, for someone that's intermittent fasting, if they get into a headspace, they're going to push through all the time, no matter, you know, like there's, you know, people doing these contests all the time that they don't really understand. They think they're supposed to be tired, but they're pushing through a period where their body's trying to tell them something. And then they're actually doing a disservice. So what I mean by that, if you're intermittent fasting, and then you're working out way before it is your time to eat, you're actually putting yourself in even a further deficit 
where you're going to store fat and burn muscle because the body feels like it's starving. And just to your point, we just tried doing carbs at night and it was honestly awful because, and I'm someone that can push through anything, but you know, with the other supplements and stuff we're taking and how we work out, it was burning too much glycogen out. Right. And then also, you know, you brought up a good point of the fact of paying attention, the body will tell you, you know, when you eat a meal, if you're left being hungry, if you really pay attention, um, your body is basically telling you what it needs. So for example, like if you eat um, a meal that's moderate in protein and higher in fat, and then you're left craving carbs, then it's telling you kind of needs carbs, not more fat, not more protein, vice versa. If you um, eat a meal that's got protein and carbs, and then you're craving some fats like avocado or something, that's telling you that you don't have enough fat in the meal at that point in time. You, you missed a mac macronutrient at that point that the body was needing. So that was a really good point on that. And then while we're on the topic of talking about calories and macros, um, another thing that I see when I get a hold of people is they're typically on some type of fat burner when they come in. And, you know, fat burners are pushed to supplement stores pretty heavy. Um, they also, pe people also think it's a quick fix. And with Instagram and Facebook, listening to everything that we talk about, if someone's been talking about losing weight, they're getting flooded with fat burners. Correct. Any, sorry, but 100%. And, you know, they, they think that's the magic bullet mm -hmm. to get them through. Now, are fat burners useful? Yes. And again, at appropriate time, but here's the issue with fat burners that I have with people being on them at the beginning of something is almost everybody is under eating. So if you're already under eating, how are we going to get your caloric intake up to where it's be if you're taking something that's suppressing your appetite? Come almost every fat burner that I know of is an appetite suppressant. You don't want to eat, kind of like Adderall. Adderall prevents you from wanting to eat. You have to make yourself eat. Or Ozempic, which I like Ozempic, but it's it's FDA approved now for obesity, which it really gives people, you know, the it makes people not hungry. Correct. Talk. Right. So there you are. You kind of here you are trying to go on the right path by doing a fat burner, by cleaning up your diet and doing everything. But yet the one thing that you're missing is your caloric intake is way too low. What if also the fat burner, because a lot of them attacks the thyroid even more, you know, you can make your body a fat burning machine without anything else. And the overuse of stimulants, which most of us already are like are doing is just taxing the adrenal so much that it's causing your thyroid to become underactive, which is your active form of metabolism. So therefore, if your thyroid is working optimally and your adrenals are working the way they should be, you don't need a fat burner. Right. And kind of going back into that, you know, we talk about the testing. If you're only being tested and only pulling TSH and T4 and not T3, they're missing the big picture because mm -hmm. the T3 is the thermostat in your body. Um, if your body is set at 60 degrees like your house and you're not sweating it's cold it's not right. doing anything if the thermostat in your house is at 90 degrees you're sweating right. you know you're burning some calories so that that's a big thing to take a look at and there's another one that i i often see a lot too is people are out training their their dietary program so again we get into back get it back into being in a deficit so when we're in a deficit you know the body is going to be tended to want to store fat, not burn fat. And then you're going to go do more cardio because that's what we're taught is eat less, do more, but there's a threshold that, that the body can only take. So 
when you're overtraining and doing that, not only are you excessively burning more calories than you're bringing in, but you're also adding to the stress on the body. Even though exercise is good stress, when the body is overly stressed, it does it can't distinguish between good stress and bad stress at that point. It's just more stress than the body can handle. Well, I know I've done that a million times, and it's because I'm wired that way. And you know, like I said, when someone's finally at this space where in this headspace where they want to do this and they're ready, if they're a determined person, they are going to push themselves right into the ground. And it is more detrimental than it is good. And I, I can only speak from personal experience with that. I remember I was working with one client. She had been working with another prep coach and she had been on like the typical 12, 1300 calorie diet doing two hours of cardio, 16 weeks out. And she came to me about eight weeks out and I kind of looked at it and she's like, what do you think? And now I'll never bash or talk poorly of another coach because I don't know their end game. and I don't know what their start game was. All I know is that's not where I would have been with the client. So I remember I was talking to her and I told her, I said, you know, you're probably going to think I'm bananas for telling you this, but you know, this was um, Thursday, Thursday, when I met with her on Friday, I told her, I said, I want you to eat a burger and fries. I don't want you to work out on Friday, no cardio and um, no working out on Friday. And I want you to eat a burger and fries. And I want you to weigh yourself Friday morning, Friday PM. And then again on Saturday AM. And the reason Friday morning, I wanted to get a baseline of what her weight was. I wanted to see what she put on throughout the day with the food that she was normally eating. And then I wanted to see what I figured the burger and fries would do um, the next day. And she woke up and she's like, I finally lost weight. I lost three pounds. I said, cool. So go ahead. And I said, go ahead and do your leg day workout, but no cardio for the next four days. And she's like, oh my God, no cardio. She had a really hard time accepting it but i'm like just trust the process let me just trust me on this so she went ahead and and did it and then afterwards i gave her a big pancake breakfast um and then i gave her sushi on saturday night and she woke up on sunday and she was down another three pounds the point being is her body was so stressed out it needed a caloric hit and it needed the stress from the workouts and the cardio come down and it worked worked magic on her i know and i remember because i mean I'm sure most people listening know that we're married and I've done competitions and, you know, Jamie's always been the, my coach, but he always has a million other people going on. And also he's a little too close, close to the project. I should guess I should say. And sometimes when you're so close, you really can't see it objectively because God love you. You always think I look great, but sometimes I still feel like, you know, a fat F on stage and I need someone to push me. So our good friend, Jimmy Ventus has helped along with other, other people. And he's, I remember the day that he was like, no cardio and you're going to eat a cheese pizza. And I'm like, what? And it worked. It yeah. worked. It was now granted. I'm not advocating for junk food, but I'm also, you know, if you're pretty clean most of the time, then it's okay. It's okay to have a junk meal every once in a while. It's okay to, you know, live a little. And I think that's the other thing it, it, if you're too rigid all the time and you're thinking and you, and you don't view this as something with gratitude, like I I know it sounds silly, but the mental conversation I have in my own head is, you know, I appreciate the food that I'm eating. I'm I'm happy that I can even do the things that I'm doing. And it really does change the physiology, the physiology in your own body. And when you're thinking positively and being thankful, a lot of times the weight falls off. For example, as females, most of us body shame, I'm sure men do too. I shouldn't just, you know, 
pick on one gender here. Yeah, I just lost 11 pounds. I feel like Gumby doll with green bean arms, spaghetti legs. But you lost a lot of inflammation and that's the <laughs> biggest thing. And um, but what I was trying to say is, is, you know, that self-talk is really important. When I stopped obsessing, when I was competing and just envisioned the end goal and actually slowed down and appreciated where I was at that time and had gratitude for myself, the weight fell off much faster. Absolutely. Um, what you speak to yourself is exactly how you see yourself. And you're like you said, if you're being negative all the time, then you're going to perceive negativity. Um, some other tips that, you know, we can give out as far as don't sabotage yourself when it comes to your dietary program and exercise program is, you know, watch your sugar intake big time, especially in your condiments and watch other ingredients like high fructose corn syrup, which causes more stress on the body. Or even coffee creamer, because that's one thing I always do too much of. <laughs> Correct. You know, are you um, bringing in too much acidity like that? Perfect. Um, are you doing too many free, cheat, load meals, whatever you want to call them? And then not giving your body enough time to detox properly from mm -hmm. it. Again, that's kind of where that, if you know that you have that MTHFR gene, you can't methylate and detox properly, then you might only be able to do something every other weekend and you can't do back to back weekend. So really paying attention, a tip I use with my clients is, um, again, the scale can be a tool if used appropriately and it can be your worst enemy if you focus on it the wrong way. I don't weigh myself. Right. So I, I don't either. You either like what you see in the mirror, you don't. Right. Right. You know, it doesn't matter what the scale says. If you had your picture perfect body, I guarantee you're probably not looking at the scale. You only tend to look at the scale when you don't like what you see in the mirror. Well, and a lot of times I'll feel pretty good about myself and I'll be like, oh, okay, today I should weigh myself because I wonder. And then it always puts me in a bad mood because I am always heavier than how I think I, I feel. And I'm not just saying that people never really understand how I weigh the amount that I weigh, but I weigh more than I 100% weigh more than what people think I weigh. Correct. And so the one thing I'll tell the clients is like the day after like a cheat meal or something like that, I'll have them weigh themselves the next morning. And if they're up three or four pounds, now this only works as long as you go right back to the, the dietary program you were doing prior to the cheat meal is if you're up three or four pounds, then weigh yourself the next couple of days and see how fast it comes off. Now it's not bulletproof, but it is a gauge to kind of tell you how fast you're detoxing methylating off because if it's within 24 hours, your gut health and, and ability to detox and methylate is very efficient. If it takes three to four days, then it's slow down and you probably are going to want to skip the next weekend. Well, and let's talk about that for a second. So, you know, we all have a different, we've talked about this before, a different, let's just use an inflammatory cup, right? So some people can afford cheat meals, just like there's three different body types. People are going to be faster burners. People are going to be able to take more insults, as we like to say you know, you might need a cheat. That's just more of what you were eating in a healthy manner and pay attention to how you feel after cheat meals. If you're doing a cheat meal and it's making you depressed and feel lousy. And so you're not getting your best workout or your best performance at work or whatever that is the next day, stop eating it. A lot of these things have additives and, and things that make us addicted to them. We really have to learn how to not reward ourselves with food as humans. We are not you know, even dogs shouldn't even be rewarded with food. We should be re rewarded in other ways. Um, but that, with that being said, I'm not saying don't go out and live your life and have those moments. Right. And, you know, then of course we go right in and, uh, you know, what you're saying with the food feeling like crap the next day, you know, I, I call them food hangovers. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you just drank a bunch of booze the night before and you feel completely hungover and you can't function and you can't think clearly. So 
which leads right into alcohol. You know, how frequently are you drinking alcohol on a weekly basis? You know, that alcohol has a big impact on the body, uh, put stress on it. And then of course you got to detox it out. So the more you drink, the, the longer it's in your system, the longer your body goes without having the ability to burn fat and the longer your body uses it as energy versus the carbs and, and fats and proteins that you have in putting in the system. So that's another way to look at it. And I think there's one that people don't suspect too is chewing gum and artificial sweeteners. Mm-hmm. Um, the FDA will tell you that artificial sweeteners are non-insulin impactive and that's a bunch of crap. And again, it's the FDA lying to us again. And then chewing gum disrupts gut health and now you call it, you know, bubble gut mm-hmm. because after a couple, you know, slices of pieces of gum, I should say, you know, you start to get that um, bubble gut feeling, especially when you're chewing sugar-free gum, you think you're doing it and it has no, you know, you lose the flavor within 30 seconds. And next thing you know, you're popping that one out and pop another one in. So well, chewing gum can really disrupt the gut health too. And let me talk about that. Like you're, you're talking about artificial sweeteners and there's controversy. I've seen people that, you know, you know, they got into fights on Instagram. It was two big health coaches. And I, I don't think people understand if you're tricking your brain into thinking that you've had something sweet because essentially you have, I mean, the way it tastes is the way it tastes. You are still spiking insulin and it, it's just not worth it. Train yourself to not crave anything sweet. And to be honest, the only thing that I think that people should be using as far as an artificial sweetener goes is stevia. And that should be used within reason, because honestly, we just have to learn that you can't create shortcuts here. You know, you can't have your cake and eat it too. I mean, there are ways to do things healthier. You can definitely make a cake healthier. And I forgot to bring something up and I, I mean, I'm going to back up a little bit here when you were talking about that competition client, you know, there's also people don't really realize how important it is for women, especially, especially women going through menopause or even with hormones to be eating around those hormones, you know, eating every three to four hours, you know, it doesn't, I'm not saying you can't intermittent fast, but when you're in, in that eating time, you've got to keep those blood sugars level because there is a relationship between insulin and estrogen. Also, I know that we've played around and you've had good luck with feeding women for their cycle, you know, because when you're cycling, you need different things than when you're not. And I don't think people realize how complicated women can be. Yeah. So that one that you're talking about is typically, again, you know, it's not, not for everybody. It depends on uh, body fat composition, depends on body type, ecto, endo, or meso, um, depends on insulin sensitivity. There are factors that go into this, but there is a protocol to where when a, when a, when a female cycles that you will increase carbohydrates and you will go back into a hit style cardio program and also into more circuit high intensity training. So now when they're off their cycle, then you're going to drop the carbs, more fat, uh, steady state cardio, and also more heavy lifting at that point in time. And I know that you've said before off cycle, you, you usually will feel stronger Totally. Um, because your body's trying to do, do so many things, you know, like the female body is trying to recuperate, re, like restore. And it's just, just let it be what it needs to be. Pushing it doesn't help your hormones. It doesn't help your well-being. It's just, you're tired. Let yourself be what it needs to be and just be more restorative during that time. Right. So there's, again, you know, as you can tell by us talking, you know, and during all the research, you know, 
there's all kinds of different dietary programs. There's all different types of cardio and also exercise programs out there. Um, you got to do your due diligence and research on finding out what's going to work best with you. I mean, obviously we would highly recommend that you hire someone that is experienced and knowledgeable mm -hmm. in this, that they have resources they can go to like getting blood work, not just any blood work, but the right things to test for, because you can't accurately tell if a T3 is not performing accurately without a reverse T3 and without ferritin levels and other things. So do they know what to test for or not? Do they know how to read it? And are they pulling everything they need to look for? Um, again, kind of going back to, you can't just look at A1C and look at fasted glucose, or you just can't look at fasted glucose without having A1C. And most importantly, a fasted insulin, yeah. because without insulin being under six, you're going to have a hard time burning fat. And if it's over 12, you're not going to burn fat. You can live on the treadmill and you're never going to see the results that you want. You could be on medications that are that you might fit in the clothes that you want to wear, but you're not going to see the, the weight on the scale that you want to see. So someone's got to be able to coach you to learn how to look at those things appropriately. So you're not beating yourself up thinking you should be somewhere when it's unrealistic that you're going to be there. Well, and let me just, I mean, never even mind the scale. Like I, I kind of disagree with you there. Like it doesn't matter what the scale says. So I think almost teaching people the mindset of the scale doesn't matter. It's about your measurements. It's about how much visceral fat you have because the more visceral fat, which is your organ fat, the more dangerous it is. So being able, like someone could be lean, but have a lot of visceral fat. And that's where going a little bit more comprehensive helps. Like look at people that have had gastric bypass and nothing against it. If that's how you needed to go, that's wonderful. But are you now eating nutrient dense foods? Are you now feeding your body? Because we've all seen the people that have had it and they don't even look healthy anymore. So you've got to change the mindset or, you know, people that go get plastic surgery to get smaller. That's only going to be temporary. If you don't fix the mental aspect of nutrition and wellness and, and all of that, then you're really not fixing the problem. And that's where we really strongly advise people to go. You know, there is a good saying called an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure and in medicine and with your health, you need to be proactive versus reactive. The other advice that I have for people is if you do come up with something like some health condition, like metabolic syndrome, you know, hyperlipidemia, which is high cholesterol, which, you know, there's mixed reviews about that. We'll talk about that another time or diabetes. Don't just allow the medicine to change your, you know, numbers in your lab work, make sure you're making the lifestyle changes and get the people that care about you on board. And in addition to lab work, finding a place that say, you know, your, your lab work can only show so much, for example, cortisol, you might have a low free cortisol, but there's also cortisone. And so that's a metabolite made by the cortisol. You could have an issue with that. And so we're able to look that up at that a little deeper by doing something called the Dutch test, or we even have testing that, you know, can help tell you if you have toxicity, um, poisoning, like with mold and other things, because you, you have to go deeper to really get to the root of what's going on. Correct. 100% on that one too. And I'll clarify what I was saying. That's, I was saying, basically the scale doesn't matter because okay. if you're feel, fitting in the clothes that you want, but you're concerned with the scale being up higher than you think it should be, and it's due to the medication you're on, right? The weight shouldn't matter. I'm sorry. I misunderstood you yeah. then. Yeah. You know, there's a reason why you're not weighing the way you think you should. And the medication is preventing you from be there, but that shouldn't be your primary focus because fitting in the clothes that you want to be in 
means that you're at where you, you need to be at. Right. It really doesn't matter. Like it, the weight doesn't matter. I almost feel like we should do like throw your scale away challenge or something. Right. You know, unfortunately, you know, people will invest in things that are short term and monetary like TVs, cars and trips like that. But they they won't put the same investment back into their own health and their own body. And you only get one body to live in. You can't go trade it in like a car. So the best thing is to to treat your body the best that you can. Um, I'm sorry to say, but you, you don't deserve shit. Um, you deserve to put in your mouth what the body needs to be in the best shape that you can. You know, um, if you were broke and you had to choose between your car payment and you felt that you deserved those new shoes, you don't deserve the shoes. You need to make your car payment so you can get to work. Um, you know, that's kind of the mentality. And for me, you know, food is a tool that helps you achieve your goal, just like money is a tool to help you afford your lifestyle. Food that helps you versus set you back. And then you enjoy your food when you eat out. You know, me and you were not the best cooks. We get we do pretty well for at home. But if I want to enjoy a meal, then that's when we, me and you will go out for a nice dinner, like the Capitol Grill, and I'll have somebody make me a nice meal. Well, and so to back up on something so it's not misconstrued, you know, people do deserve to be healthy and they do deserve to feel good. But at the end of the day, that's their choice. So how we grew up, we grew up on a very misguided approach. You know, our parents and grandparents didn't really know what was healthy. They, you know, we've now evolved in understanding because mass media creates waves of, okay, corn is healthy, margarine is healthy. And all of it, all of that is, is it for a way for the government to make more money. So we're buying more crops or whatever. And that's, I know I sound like a conspiracy theorist there, but it's the truth. But what I'm trying to say is, is, you know, you're saying that just because you want to be a size zero or you want to have abs doesn't mean you should feel entitled entitled enough to eat cake. You have to do the work and you have to appreciate the journey and you have to do that. In addition, you know, making sure your health is a number one priority because health is wellness and health is, you know, richness is at that point. Well, you're right. And what my point with that too, is the fact that like, if you, if you're legitimately trying to make a major change in your health and in your body composition to achieve a goal and you had a bad day and you convinced yourself that you right. deserve ice cream, you don't deserve it. Right. You don't, you want it, but you don't deserve it. You know, just like I use the, use the shoe and the car payment example, like, you know, you had a bad day. And if you're, if when you have a bad day, your thing is you go buy and, and buy things for yourself to compensate for having a crap day. Well, if that's going to come at the cost of you not affording your car payment, then you, yeah, you don't deserve the new shoes. You know, yeah, you had a bad day. So do a lot of people, but even people who have bad days stay on track. Well, and I think you're absolutely right. What I'm, I think I'm hearing is that, you know, is what I said before, we shouldn't be rewarded with food. We're not, it's, we need to change the mindset with that reward yourself with self-care. And I think that's another topic we're going to do another show about, but you deserve self-care. You deserve time alone. You deserve to be able to go meditate. You deserve to be able to afford a healthier way of eating because it is more expensive to eat healthier, you know, making sure you're buying good quality meats and all of that stuff. You do deserve that. And everybody does, but you have to be understanding that, to reward yourself with something like that is more like more what you're saying. And, you know, I think a lot of people have shame around, you know, obesity or a body fat or, 
you know, taking it to the next level with themselves and feeling like they deserve, because I know we're talking about two different things using the same words, but if you've been a mom running around with 10 kids and you're afraid to make the financial commitment to come in and hire you for a trainer, they do deserve that self-care. Yeah, absolutely. No, you're absolutely right. Just like you deserve to be able to go out and eat a nice dinner um, like we're going to do tonight, you right. know, we deserve to be able to do that. But, you know, we've also been following what we do. We, right. we you know, we're on track 90% of the time. So mm-hmm. that 10% of the time, yeah, we can go out and do that. We, you know, there's going to be birthdays, there's going to be holidays, there's going to be weekends, weddings. Um, you know, there's going to be celebratory times that you right. want to. Absolutely. You can go out and deserve that stuff. But just society as a whole just fi- quits way too easy. And they do it because they think they deserve to do something or eat something when they know that they're nowhere near where they need to be at. I also think that's the problem with social media and flooding. You know, there's this false reality of people because the photos are being edited or they see all these things. And I think that's, you know, a whole conversation for another day. But I think it does mess with our heads, you know. Oh, absolutely. I, I remember there was a big online coach that promoted pizza and subway sandwiches and everything like that and you know he put up the way that he looked and and everything now granted there are some extra supplements mm-hmm. you know things you can't buy at supplement superstore and other places like that you know mm-hmm. got to go to the dark web but that he wasn't honest and truthful part but you know after a period of time went through so many people were writing reviews that they they were following his plan and they didn't it made them gain weight because it doesn't work for them. Or they're, like the wraps, like right. the, the body wraps. Right. It doesn't freaking work for them. They're not the same body type, not doing the same workouts. They're not doing the same supplements on, on the backside. And so, yeah, no, the goals ain't going to be the same. No. So, and I think that's, example. and I think that's what makes people feel like a failure because they see all these things that are really just not reality. And so they feel like they're failing and then they give up and that's just sad. Right. 100%. Well, this is a really good episode. I feel we got to cover a lot. Now I know on the next one, we're going to do the same thing, but we're going to do it on your side, Jen, on the med spa side. And we're going to talk about how are you ruining or how are you, how could you get the most out of what you're, you know, trying to achieve? Because even if you're spending just a little bit of money, we don't want to waste that money. Right. Correct. So we'll be talking about skincare, injectables, and things like that. Yep. So we appreciate you guys tuning in. We hope you have a great weekend and a great day. Yes. Thank you for listening to another episode of Younger by the Minute. I'm Jamie. And I'm Jennifer.